0: Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Proverbs 18, 21. All right, welcome back to the Life-Giving Home podcast. On today's episode, we are going to discuss encouraging one another. And at first, I was just going to talk about encouraging our children and being diligent and intentional in that. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that would really, that's just a small sliver of encouragement and what our speech should be like. And so I thought I would just broaden it up a lot and talk about just being encouraging and uplifting and being a blessing with our speech and yeah, having the power of life come through in our words. So my guess is that this comes very naturally for some people and then not as naturally for others. If you grew up in a family where people were encouraging one another all the time and you were really affirmed and praised and it was just natural and normal in your home for that to be the case, my guess would be that that comes more naturally to you as an adult as well. Um, that's not my experience growing up. That just wasn't really how it went in our household. I, I was trying to think about it and just reflect on my life and and what that looked like in our home. And so I'll just give some examples of sometimes that I can remember that it actually could have been easy for my parents to encourage me in these moments, but that's not what happened. And that's totally fine. My parents are great. This was just not the culture in our home to affirm one another very much. And so I remember when I was in elementary school, my younger sibling um, often on his report card would get C's and B's and my report cards were normally straight A's, sometimes a B here or there. And I just remember my mom got my my brother a water gun as a reward for his report card one time because it had improved a bit. And I asked my mom why I didn't get anything when my report card was straight A's. And she just said, well, we know you don't need any other motivation to get a good report card, and your brother needs the encouragement. And that was the end of the conversation. So I left just being like, okay. And I mean, what she said was true. I obviously didn't need external motivation to get those grades, but it would have been nice to have some encouragement or something. Another example is when I was in physics I don't remember if it was 20 or 30, but high school physics. And I I thought I failed this test. I honestly, I wrote this test. I had no cooking clue what I was doing. And I just, I took the formulas and I would just plug and chug and write the answer. And honestly, I just had no real grasp on the concepts. And so I went home. I just thought, oh my goodness, I'm gonna fail this test. And yeah, my elementary grades had kind of continued into high school. And so I just, I was horrified to think that I had failed. And in the end, I actually got a 96%. And so at supper that night with the family, I was, I just was excited. So I told them, oh man, this test, I got 96% on it. I'm so glad I didn't think I was going to do that well. And my dad looks over at me and says, Well, physics is objective, so you should have gotten 100%. (laughs) And so that would, you know, if someone thought they were going to fail a test and then they get 96 and they're happy with that, you could think that's a good opportunity to just be like, wow, that's a really great job. (laughs) You know, just, it's just maybe like an easy win to encourage them. It's not even... You know, you don't have even have to be creative in that moment. Just be like, oh, yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm happy for you. But anyway, I'm sure that there were plenty of times where I was verbally encouraged as a child. Um, I'm sure there were times. I don't have memories, really, of it, but I'm sure that it happened. I don't know if that feels reminiscent of any of your childhood Hopefully not. I hope that you grew up, you know, just having a lot of affirmation and, um, yeah, love in words. That was encouraging. Um, yeah, obviously, we would really love our homes to be a place where people feel loved and built up and encouraged and blessed by our words. And so whether or not that comes easily to you, I think it's good that we can be intentional to practice those things. Where it's all going to start is in our hearts because Jesus said, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, if we don't have hearts that are um, overflowing with Christ and his love, then that's not what is going to come out. And so, if we have a heart of stone rather than flesh, if we haven't turned to Christ in repentance and trusted him for salvation and have him make us into a new creation then our hearts are not going to overflow with these good and wonderful things. And so that's the first step. And as a believer, we also just need to continually look to the Lord and repent and fix our eyes on him and ask him to renew us. I know that that might seem obvious or redundant to say, but it's always important that we just always come back and remember that we need Christ. And it's not redundant or Over repetitive to think about what Christ has done for us on the cross and our desperate need for that daily because we need to continually repent. Um, We did it once and we need to keep doing it because the things that we want to do, we don't, and the things that we don't want to do, we do. Um, And that's the human condition until we die and are glorified and can be with Christ. Do you ever find that? It is so much easier to complain and criticize than to be encouraging. Does that sound familiar? Because if you're like me or almost anyone I know, then it probably does. Um, you know, even if you think about going, say you go to a restaurant and say the food is really good and it's delicious and your service is good and the price is not too bad, you um, you know, it's not too likely that you're going to tell everyone about that. You'd have to be like severely wowed to go out and tell everyone. But if you have a bad experience, then you tell everyone and you make sure to get on Google reviews and you write something so everyone can know how terrible that place is. But if you just had like a decent experience, a good experience, then you don't necessarily say anything. And I think that translates into a lot of areas in our lives, you know, with our children. How much easier is it to say that you never clean up your toys and you just leave a mess everywhere you go from one room to another. And it's, you know, you need to be more diligent rather than, hey, you know what? There's still a lot of messes, but I saw you cleaned up this one and you did a really great job and I didn't need to tell you to do it. And so I just wanted to tell you that that's fantastic. And I appreciate that you did that. And I can see that you're learning. And as I say this, I'm convicting myself because nothing makes me breathe fire more than seeing a child go from room to room, making a mess after mess after mess. And probably this is something I should do better. So don't think that I record any episodes because I'm perfect at these things. It's just things I'm mulling over and hope to encourage others with as well. And so. Yeah, I think we do that with our children, with our parents. How common is it for adult children to just really be ungrateful for what their parents have done and just dwell only on the negative when our parents, despite their flaws, every parent has flaws, um, have really given us so much. And you know how frequently do we appreciate those things rather than just harping on the things we didn't appreciate that they did. Oof, convicted again. Or take your spouse for an example. Are you criticizing your husband for things more often than you're encouraging him and thanking him for things? I think that this translates to a lot of areas. I don't know as much for a boss or a coworker. I think you'd have to be pretty confrontational to say things like that to them, to, you know, complain about them to their face. It's unfortunate that we are so much more comfortable doing that with the people who are closer to us when we should be all the more grateful for those people in our lives and all the more intentional in building them up with our words. I think that we need to be more intentional with the words that we say. In James' chapter 1, verse 19. It says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I think very frequently, we are very quick to speak. I know I am. And it's easy to be too quick to anger. And then we have some really bad stuff coming out of our mouths. I don't know who originally said this, or even who I read it from, but I read this from somewhere on the internet. And it said, taste your words before you spit them out. Now, maybe sometimes I do that, but certainly not enough. It's so easy for us to just run our mouths and not really give adequate thought into what we are saying. And we really should, because the tongue has a lot of power. Um, In James chapter 3, It talks about how we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone um, does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. So none of us are going to be perfect in what we say, but we do need to continually be sanctified in this area, and taking time to, um, to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry will help us, because scripture says to do it, so it will be useful. James 3 is really just such a lovely, rich picture of the power of the tongue. I say lovely, but I guess it's maybe not the right word. But anyway, um, yeah, it compares it to a bit in the mouths of horses um, or the rudder of a ship that's just so large. And it's a small little rudder that's being guided where the pilot directs. Um, It talks about how such a small spark can set ablaze this whole forest. If you have some time to read it, you will not regret reading it. This is one of my favorite passages in scripture, and it is always convicting. In verse 8, 9, and 10, it says, But no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So, should we just try to be like Unikitty? Any idea is a good idea, except the not happy ones. Those you push down deep inside where you'll never, ever, ever, ever! ever! No, it's obviously not like that. If we recognize that we have a problem where we have this blessing and cursing coming out of the same mouth, we really truly need to repent and ask God to help us and to ask the Holy Spirit to show us um, the people whom we are wronging with our speech and um, the ways that we can improve. And so that's the first step, kind of as I already referenced earlier. Um, But if any of this is just, Peaking some conviction in you, then I think it's good to take some time to just to ask the Lord to change your heart and um, for the specific ways in which you need to change. Because I'm going to share a couple ideas that I have had and have implemented or are trying to implement. But everyone is in different situations with different relationships, and there might be some specific things that are relevant to you and. The holy spirit can reveal those to you so definitely take time for that another thing is if there's a certain person who we really struggle to encourage then it's to ask the lord if maybe we have some um, hardness of heart against that person if we have bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts that he can reveal that and that we can repent of that and forgive when we need to forgive because sometimes we just only see what's bad in a person because we have things in our hearts against them. And we can even fail to view that God has made them in his image and that God has also created them with a purpose and he loves them and cares for them. And if we can only curse them, then that's something wrong with us. And then the next thing is also just kind of taking some time to humble ourselves in certain situations. Sometimes we have a person who we maybe would want to encourage, but it might feel kind of awkward. And then that awkwardness stops you from blessing that person. And I think that can be quite common if you are not used to verbally encouraging people. And so, really, the way to get over that is to get over that and just do it. Whether it's a friend, parent, coworker, child, spouse. I think if you're not used to doing it, it might feel uncomfortable at first, but if you can do it and make a practice of it, it will get easier. And I know also some people really struggle to accept compliments and praise because if they're not used to it, it might feel a bit awkward and they don't know how to handle it, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. And Lord willing, they're also going to um, be able to start accepting that as well. But even if it's awkward, you should just do it. And now we'll just talk about some ideas in different relationships that you could apply if you so wanted to. Um, obviously, you know your relationships and you have the Lord and can figure out things. But it's just a couple of things that I've thought of and that I try to practice in my life. So I thought I might as well share them if they might be helpful to you. So starting with our parents, as I said in the start, it is very easy for us to dwell on the things our parents have done wrong, but have we thanked them for the things that they have done right? Parents have sacrificed so much for us, and if you're a parent, you recognize how much sacrifice it takes, how many sleepless nights, if, um, if you carried your children, how it has affected your body, financial sacrifices, lifestyle... All kinds of things can change when you have children. And so I think it's easier for us to recognize what we have done for our children, but what have our parents done for us? And have we ever appreciated them for that? Have we just said, hey, mom, thanks for staying home with us when we were young and putting the time in when we were kids to care for us and to cook food for us? And thank you for being there when we would get home from school and making us snacks and making us healthy suppers. Oh, hey dad, thank you for spending your time off of work, taking us on trips to the mountains. You know, there's all kinds of things that our parents did year after year for us. And we know that it is so often a thankless job and we should go and thank them for the things that they have done, the sacrifices that they've made and the intention that they put into raising us. Maybe you could write a letter or make a phone call and just appreciate them and tell them that you're so thankful that the Lord gave them to you as parents and that you're thankful for the many things that they've done for you. And then continue to do it with the things that they continue to do for you now. Are they grandparents who babysit? Are they just intentional to spend time with you? We should be constantly grateful for any things they continue to do for us, and we can thank them with words and appreciate them with words. Okay, next, we're going to go on to husbands. Now, we should actually have many, many, many things we can appreciate and encourage about our husbands, but I think sometimes we miss that because we have really high expectations of what needs to be done and the way in which it needs to be done. And sometimes I think we can become more naggy than thankful. And it's not to say that we can never comment if something needs to be done differently or something's not working. It's not to say that you can't have a reasonable discussion about practicalities. But do we have unrealistic expectations or expectations that we've never communicated. Or maybe sometimes we have expectations that are met and then we just have higher expectations after that because, well, you could do that, so why can't you do this as well? Or maybe we are way too particular on the way in which things need to be done. And so I think sometimes while having all of that, we fail to appreciate anything that our husbands have done. We don't want to be quarrelsome and be like a drip, drip, drip on a rainy day. That is exasperating to our husbands. We want to be a helpful, encouraging, supportive wife. And so the first step, if any of those things is hindering you from being thankful and encouraging, then I think it's to repent of that and ask the Lord to help you to have more realistic expectations and to have grace when some things aren't going to be met. And then ask the Lord to have eyes to see The good things and the numerous things that your husband is doing. And then say it. When you see it, say it. And just appreciate those things. Thank him for those things. You know, even if he takes the trash out every single day, thank him every single day because it's another time that he's taking every single day and he's serving your home in that way every single day. And so it's not redundant to say thank you each time just like when you prepare a meal. It's nice to be thanked, even if you were thanked for cooking yesterday as well. No one has to thank you, but it's nice. And it's the same when our husbands are serving our family in whatever way it is, we should be thankful and we should appreciate them for it. Even thanking him for working to provide for the family. We should be thankful for that, and we should bring it up. And not just things that he does, but Also to encourage the way that he is. Is he making wise decisions? Does he work hard at work and you see the benefit of it in raises or just consistency in having work? Is he patient with the children? Is he diligent in studying God's word? All of these things we should appreciate. We should say those things so that he can feel affirmed and loved and respected by his wife. Now, I'll talk briefly about co-workers. I haven't worked for maybe a decade or so. I haven't really done it as a real adult. I did it as a young adult. Um, and the principles would be the same. But I just mean, I haven't had a pro- a professional career. And so I don't know exactly what that might look like in different people's contexts. But I do think it is very worth being intentional to encourage your coworkers. It's different than our family, because we're not quite as responsible for those people in the same way that we are for our family. But nonetheless, it is really good to do it as a Christian. We want to be people who are loving and encouraging and that people recognize our love. And so we want to um, be people that people like. Obviously, We will not shy away from truth to be liked or anything like that. That's not the topic of this. Um, We want to stay true to God's word always, obviously. Um, But what I just mean is that we want to have personalities that draw people to Christ through us. And so if we can encourage people, and just when we see them working hard or doing a good job, just to say it, and that could be very encouraging for them. We don't know people's lives all the time and whether or not they have encouragement in other places. So it can make a big difference. Obviously, our goal is to share the gospel and to bring people into the kingdom. But as we build relationships to do that, as we um, seek opportunities to do that, if we can just be really loving in our actions and our words, then that's obviously a good idea. And then lastly, our children. It can be very easy to spend most of our time with our children correcting them. Because there is so much training and correcting to do, especially in the early years. Okay, especially in the teenage years as well. Especially in all of the years where they're under our care, (laughs) there's a lot of teaching and training and correction to do. And so sometimes I think so much of our headspace and speech can be filled with all of that, that we fail to properly encourage them as we should. In the last part of My podcast episode on angry parenting, I mentioned a bit about um, gifts gone awry and how even in our correction, we can encourage and affirm our children. And so if you haven't listened to that one, maybe give that a listen so that I don't have to say the exact same thing here as there. So this will kind of be besides that. So I think the first thing is really just to take time and make an effort to notice the good things. If there's a task that you've asked them to do, see what part of it they're doing well and encourage that. You know, maybe there's a most hated task at your house, at ours. I would say it's sweeping. Maybe my kids would disagree if I pulled them. But in my experience, what it seems that they don't love is sweeping. And so, I try to see when they have done a really good job at sweeping, hey, whoa, you got all the corners this time. That's awesome. And just to really affirm it. And that's really a small, insignificant example. But if we can encourage our kids in all of these different ways, it's so encouraging and it's so much more life-giving in our home to be uplifting and positive rather than just always ragging on everyone for everything. Maybe a More meaningful example would be when I see one of my children doing something for someone else before themselves, to notice it and then to say, wow, that's so great that you got water for everyone else before yourself. And that was so great to see you being selfless and to consider others above yourself. I love that you did that. It might take some intentionality to start noticing those things. It could definitely maybe take intentionality to put your phone aside so you can notice these things or... Um, yeah, just making sure you give your children more attention than other things in in those moments. Because when we're really distracted, then we can very frequently only see the negative things that are kind of interrupting our desired or preferred activity. So it might take some intentionality and even discipline to to put yourself in a position where you can be aware of these good things that... The Lord is doing in our children. And another way that we can be encouraging is when we're praying for our children to praise God for the work that he is doing in them. All the goodness that is happening in our children is just by the grace of God. And so we should be thanking him for those things anyway. And we can do that when we are with our children. And even as a family during family worship times, to to pray and appreciate what God is doing in each child so that We can develop this culture in our home of recognizing God is at work in each child and we can acknowledge that and we praise God for that. And then lastly, I'll just talk about one thing that kind of became a routine habit in our home. Um, I had read somewhere in a book, a parenting book, just talking about how the evening, we want the evenings like bedtime to be really kind and loving and caring. And we don't want to have nighttime to be this battlefield. And then the children go to bed after this like total war of whatever it might be to get them to go to bed. So this mom talked about how every night she would spend time in each of the children's room and like go over the day and just talk to them and whatever. I don't remember the specifics of it, but I just remember thinking, wow, I probably need to do a better job at just being more calm and patient and affirming and loving at the end of the night. And so what I just started trying to do was just think of something throughout the day that they had done that I hadn't yet encouraged them on, or maybe sometimes I have, but just to bring that back to memory and just appreciate and encourage them about that thing. And so I started doing that. I would just come and I just start from littlest to biggest and I tell them each something from the date that I just really appreciated. I didn't even plan for it to become a routine thing, but after doing it that first night, the children would just always ask and, you know, it's bedtime and they'd come, nice stories, nice stories. And now they're always still asking, oh, can you come up and do nice stories? Because sometimes my husband puts them, puts them down and they want the nice stories for mommy because I was home all day. And so they just really love it. And I really love it too to just reflect on what, what good happened in the day and just how they were a blessing. And I love to talk to them about how God is at work in their lives and that I can see God changing them. And as we teach them from God's word and we pray for them, that God is changing them and he's making them more mature and helping them to be more selfless. And these are good things that God is doing in their lives. So if you don't do something like that, I would encourage you to try it and see what it can be like. Maybe it can bless your family in the same way that it has blessed our family. And it is, yeah, it's really beautiful to see the smiles on the children's faces when we can just encourage and affirm them and yeah, just acknowledge what God is doing because it's God. We give the humble offerings of our parenting that is totally flawed, but God is doing things in their lives and it's just a blessing to remember those things and to, to say them to them and to thank the Lord for them. And so if that sounds nicer, then get to bed now, then maybe give it a try. I mean, sometimes you still need to uh, lay down the law when the kids are a bit hyper, but we did find that it makes a big difference in our evening. Well, that's basically all we have time for today. And that's kind of all I have to say so that works. Well, I hope something in this episode could be encouraging for you. I hope that the Holy Spirit convicted you in some ways, as he certainly did me. And yeah, I just pray that we can all be just giving life to people with our words in our homes and outside. Have a blessed week or two, and I'll see you at the next one.